Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. And today, that good morning, good afternoon, good evening on this live stream means even more because I have two amazing guests on the show from across the pond and one guest from just up the coast of um, of the United States in New Jersey currently. And I am so excited. It is my birthday week show. It's been something I've been talking about for months. You've seen the posts. I hope you've seen the post. And we're going to be talking all things Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel, DC, and perhaps some Harry Potter. As you can see, I added a new decoration to my microphone and I've got my lightsaber handy. Couldn't find all my Star Trek stuff because of all of the um, sad mold stuff upstairs. Everything got packed away in boxes and I, I just couldn't deal with digging through it all trying to find it. But I'm excited beyond excited to be able to have this chat because I've had these individual conversations with these three guests of my show today on my individual episodes with them. So let me bring them all on board. Uh, we've got James Adam, we've got Mark Asquith, and we've got Janet Shines, all of my friends. May the force be with you and, and also with and you. Prosper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually really exciting. I can do this with my right hand again because for like three months I couldn't move my fingers that way without excruciating pain, as my listeners know. So, yay! Thank you all for being here. Thanks Pleasure for having us. Thanks for having us. All right, and if everybody can see that's watching on the video, you can see behind James he has amazing Legos behind him, including a Hogwarts castle. Janet has Stormtroopers, um, Yoda, Baby, the little one. We've got all sorts of Star Wars memorabilia all over hers. And if you look behind Mark, I mean, its he's just got so much stuff, I can't even talk about it all. And, and on James's side that you can't see, I think there was a Batmobile and some other things over there as well. So these three, everybody, are, are just my favorite people to geek with. <laughs> <laughs> So I have to ask this because, you know, I'm going to be 58 this week and my original foray into science fiction was, of course, the moon landings, getting to see all of that happening live while it was happening. And I wanted to be an astronaut. I watched Star Trek like crazy. I went to the second ever Star Trek convention at the Hilton in New York City when I was a little girl. I saw the original Star Wars in the movie theater and every single one after that. Um, so, you know, I, I'm from way back there. That's my origin story. For me, I wanted to be an astronaut because I wanted the Star Trek version of going to outer space. Um, James, why don't you start on what, what's your origin story with your love of all of this? I think it was back in the 90s when i first i wasn't really into my parents went into sci-fi they didn't really you know they didn't read comics or any of those kind of things but um the first ever piece of sci-fi i ever saw was babylon 5 that was the very <sighs> first my first my first thing and uh, that will always be i think it's just like your first thing like you said with star trek your first thing will always be the one for me and so you know i'll always be a babylon 5 fan even though there are only five of us 
um i still will uh you know i'll take it with me to the grave <laughs> but uh yeah that was it and i just i watched that first episode when it was on tv on channel four over here and i must have watched it like five times that day and i just never i'd never seen anything like it never nothing had resonated with me like that did i don't know why it was but it just everything it just seemed exciting and there's nothing there was nothing else like it that i could watch and i just it was the and it's what kind of led me into into the internet and into the aol chat rooms and talking to people on the other side of the planet about you know theories and talking to the creators and you know like jms the creator was one of the first people to really get involved and engage the, the audience and try and get people he's like the original influencer getting people right. to to tell people about it and stuff like that and i and i just yeah the, that that was it for me and it was a, a slippery slope down or up whichever way you want to call it from there yeah i i we should have put babylon 5 in this title too because <laughs> i i absolutely love babylon 5 and it recreated the genre in a lot of ways and it was just amazing i'm on um i follow bill Mooney, boom and um those guys and HBO Max now has launched yeah. all of Babylon 5, except the movies. They don't have that yet. Janet, what's your origin story? So, you know, I went to all the movies, right? I saw all the Star Wars movies. I, I was excited about tech from the very beginning. I loved computers. I loved everything. But what really got me going was actually a book called Ender's Game. <gasps> Awesome. <laughs> 1985, um, my uncle gives me Ender's Game as a gift, right? Followed by Beans War and the Hoju Mom, right? Like, you know, there was all the books. And for whatever reason, that book just ignited my sci-fi geekiness to like another level, right? right. It, was, it was kind of like, I was always geeky, you know, maybe call myself a moderate geek. This made me uber geeky. Um, and then I started to revisit everything. And, it, you know, the funny thing is, so you talk about Star Trek. I also, you know, was a bit of a Trekkie, more Star Wars, but I used to run around with a paper towel holder that I had covered in uh, aluminum foil and bent in half. And I would like go, you know, and, and have like conversations. And my and my mother said to me, I still remember it. My mother said to me, it's ridiculous. No one is ever going to carry something on their waistband that lets them talk <laughs> to other people. And then I ended up working for Verizon. And as a family, we used to have such a laugh about that, right? Because I would open up a phone and go, never going to happen, right? Never going to happen. Um, and so just, you know, it was one of those marvelous things, right, that that just happens um, and just comes along. But I would say if you have not read Ender's Game, you should. There is a movie. Doesn't do it justice. The, the movie is a great entry for somebody, but the books, without doubt, are amazing. <gasps> and I remember when they came out with a landline flip phone. Yes. And I got it with a super long cord to walk around the house with so that I could pretend like you with the community right. from Star Trek. Yes, absolutely. The totally. The challenge is real. And to anyone young listening to this, the challenge was real. You had a cord connected <laughs> to the phone. So you had to hide in like a closet to have a private conversation. So yes, the, yes. Cha the challenge was real. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mark, you're origin story i was um i was probably a little late to really getting deep into it i was i was born in 1982 so it was like sort of this weird barren time for a lot of things when it comes to like my my 
stuff, the DC stuff that I'm really into. And um, the, the, there were probably three things for me. There was the John Williams music from oh. Superman. Um, like I still get goosebumps from that today. Like I'm a mus musical guy and I just, that is still my favorite. Um, which then led me to discover Return of the Jedi. Um, when I was about four, because obviously it came out in 83. Um, and I was just very much, uh, who is this John Williams guy? And then, oh my word, he does film things. And then actually Raiders came out. And, 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 and so that sort of led down that path. But then the big thing um, was, that was a Star Wars stuff and the kind of John Williams stuff. And then there was the huge thing that happened when I was seven years old, which was the Keaton Batman came out, which was right. every facet of that fascinated me. You know, everything... Um, I'm like you, James, you know, there's like bat wings and batmobiles knocking around somewhere and there's, you know, everything's the the dark black suit, you know, every, that's that's my sort of Batman. Um, so it's, that was it really, but it was everything from the music, the Elfman score down to the, down to the Batmobile, um, down to just Jack Nicholson and the, the, the Tim Burton interpret, interpretation of Gotham. Um, oh, he was so really creepy. Into that. Oh, it was, it was. But the thing is... It, and what, I think what really struck me, and it, this is what got me with the Arkham games as well, and this is why I, I sort of got deep into it, was like the city was the biggest character in the entire movie. And from then, I was just fascinated with this mythology, you know, everything from Star Wars, all the different worlds and the connective tissues between them. And it, yeah, that, that was it. It's got to be the Keaton one that really tipped me over the edge. Um, and then just as I got a tad older, um, I say a tad older, a lot older, it was... <laughs> And when the prequel trilogy reignited uh, with the Phantom Menace, that's that's when right. I really got deep into more Star Wars. So yeah, it was probably a two, a double hit for me. I think. I, I just think that's so cool because as you, the three of you were talking, I was remembering Lost in Space, the original one. Oh, Again, yeah. And uh, you know, Danger Will Robinson, Danger Will Robinson with the robot which I happened to see up at Kennedy Space Center one day. They have one of the robots in a display at Kennedy Space Center here in Florida. And so many different shows. And Mark, I remember the original Superman on TV in black and white. Mm. Plastic. <laughs> and Plastic. it was just amazing, that whole world to me, that there could be this idea of hope and everybody working together. And you have these evil villains who are so ridiculously over the top evil. But now you look at it today and you go, well, they're not so over the top evil because there's a lot worse that's happening in the world. But for some reason, you go into the Marvel and the DC universe and the Star Trek and the Star Wars and even Harry Potter. And for me, an underlying theme of all of them, and I think why it's so beloved by me and around the world is because good always prevails over evil. So what are, what are your guys thoughts on that? Do you have a favorite character Mark of, of any of the platforms? Like your go-to is it Superman? Is it bat? Sounds like it's Batman, but I know you have several others in, in that. Loop that there. is so tough. Um, so the Flesher cartoons, the Max Flesher cartoons were huge for me as well as a kid. Um, and that, that sort of started that that kind of Superman thing as well alongside the soundtrack. But believe it or not, I'm, I mean, when it comes to Star Wars, inevitably it's got to be Anakin. 
I, I, you know, I was uh, Luke nearly came out of my mouth then, but Anakin came out instead. Um, but that was. I've weird. got Luke um, on my. I've got Luke oh, on my glass. Oh, wow. That was that was such an eighties moment on your part, Anakin. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm sorry. I know. Well, I was going to go with the Luke, and it was so close. But then I was thinking to myself, actually, am I just swayed by the Mandalorian recently? Because that just got the dopamine going. But then yeah. I think that my favorite character, believe it or not, is actually the Wally West Flash of everything. <gasps> oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. Interesting. Bravo. Hard done by Wally West. Hard done Big by. Big time. Hey, you got a raw deal, James. He's got a raw deal. Him and Kyle. No justice. No oh, justice in this best world. Best Green Lantern, isn't he? Best Green Lantern, without a doubt. Without uh, a doubt. And Tim Drake. That's basically all. Yeah. Yep. There you go. There you go. You got to love it. All right. I guess I, I can go. Um, it was always Princess Leia, right? Because as a female, you know, there were few and far between strong female characters in sci-fi. Um, uh, you had a little Lieutenant Ahura too. So, but, but um it was definitely Princess Leia. And, and it's exciting now because there's been a series of very strong females in the Star Wars um, uh, universe now, right? So you've got, uh, you've got you know, of course, Rey, right? But you had Jin in the Rogue Wars. So they've, they've had a lot of really strong female characters. Um, and that really, um, you know, did a lot for me as the years went along. In fact, I have a big collection in Florida, this is a, just kind of a smaller collection here. Uh, my initial Star Wars collection, not toys, they're collectibles, yeah. <laughs> um, consisted fully of females and then, you know, kind of uh, like the Yoda, Chewbacca, etc. you know, non, what today we would call non-binary uh, characters where you weren't sure uh, what they were. And so just kind of, you know, that that moment where I say, you know, Princess Leia is my favorite. I also loved Chewie. I thought Chewbacca was just like as a kid, right? It was just every you know person's kind of like oh and this weekend i was with my daughter who is also a huge star wars fan and we were walking through a little comic uh, book uh collectible store up here and if you can see i don't know if you can see on the top of my bookcase uh i found a 1970s chewbacca original in the box wow. um, yeah, toy this weekend at this uh at this uh kind of little place up here locally um and was priced in a way where I actually had to say to the gentleman, that's not enough. So, <laughs> wow, you know, I'm going to give you more because that's not enough. And, I, and I'm not going to do that to somebody. Right. So, um, you know, very much uh, a big fan of, of, of Chewy. So he's going to join the collection. He's not going to come out of the box. I do take most of the stuff out of the box um, because it's more fun to have it out. But uh, that one's a little special. So I think it's going to stay in the box. That's really, really cool. I, I, I love that. Absolutely love. It. I loved Chewy. I was a but I was a Utah Solo fan. Just because, you know, 1977, the age I was at, yeah, he was hot. <laughs> and and he was and he was a swashbuckler. Plus he was this devil may care who really sort of evolved, I think, so much over the course of the movies. Right to become he this did. guy who was the un the hero that didn't want to be a hero kind right. of thing, and unintentional, was, yeah, yeah, and that was really, really, really cool. Um, so those are really awesome stories. Yeah. I, you know, when you, you guys were talking about the Flash, right? 
this thought popped into my head, Aquaman, yes or no? Yeah, big time. I love Aquaman. Aquaman. Yeah, there's, there's, no, there's one literally no DC character. This. Yeah, I like Hook. Hook Hand Aquaman is my personal preference. But um, but I think this is just a, you know, if you started reading comics, I started reading comics during you know post Death of Superman. That was when I got yeah. into comics, and so I think I went back and collected everything back up until '88 when they after Crisis. But the like. You, everyone has their glory years, don't they? The, the time when they were most into something, and it's so hard to to like it, to enjoy anything else other than that. I don't know they were the best, but I just you know, Hook Hand Aquaman, all those things were the you know they were the one for me. Mark, you look like you wanted to say something. No, I'm just I'm just kind of chewing on that one because I agree totally. I was the same. I was like 88, 90, yeah, nineteen eighty eight from Crisis right through. I would even say right until Flashpoint before it got weird. Um, like there were so many good characters, and the, the one that mm. went under the radar, unless you're a real DC goon like me, is like the old <laughs> um, the Green Arrow Mike Grell run, which was just oh, I love the Green Arrow. Yeah. But everyone's, yeah, everyone's like, Yeah, I love Arrow, the TV show. You know, when you talk to people, like, Yeah, I love Arrow. Yeah, it's that Stephen guy that plays him is good. I'm like, Just this is not a conversation to have. So I know yeah. I'm in good company now, but yeah, that Safe. that year of DC was good. Ah, yeah, when I'm, when Kevin Smith brought him back, that was some some absolutely yeah. amazing stuff. Yeah, I, I'm more of, a mar- more of a Marvel girl myself, so sorry, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so go Marvel. Go Marvel, Jen. Um, so, okay, let's start with Guardians of the Galaxy. So let's start with the fact that the original Guardians of the Galaxy came out in 1969, and the ro- roster did not consist of, you know, Gamora and Star-Lord uh, and Drax and Groot. Uh, it was that Vance Astro, who, who evolved a bit to be Star-Lord, uh, and Captain Charlie and Yondu and Donoto. And it was one of the first superhero teams to appear in an American um comic book and it was just this great concept that a team of people together could fight against bad that you didn't have to be alone right the superman the spider-man the batman you know always felt a little bit like a one or a two-person show and guardians of the galaxy which an uncle of mine turned me on to he's a big comic book fan just hit a fancy with me, right? That was like, here's this team of people. And, you know, now we've had Avengers, you know, there's all kinds of groups now. But um, but then Guardians was one of the first times I thought about, wow, you could kind of team together with people uh, to fight evil and, and all be cool. Um, so just, and, and that was my introduction to Marvel Comics. And then my, uh, you know, my, uh, my uncle would constantly, you know, Stan Lee was his god. Um, and he... <laughs> Like, seriously, he would travel for hundreds and hundreds of miles just to go see him in an appearance uh, after he retired. And um, it just it just became, you know, a flight of fancy for me. A good comic book could take the worst day and make it OK, because I could escape into those pages um, and feel differently about the world. And, you know, as a teenager, the world's kind of cruel to um, to certain people, particularly geeky people, because it wasn't cool back <laughs> yeah. then. Uh, <laughs> they've got it easy now, haven't they? It's not. It's cool now to be geeky. So it's, it's just cool you know, now. I don't think you've earned it anymore. Like Marvel made either. everything mainstream. Like you know, right? Like you're so cool fair. to be geeky now. Go ahead, cosplay. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were yeah. beat up for cosplaying, and and now you can just go that way to a movie, and nobody says anything about it. 
we're like the um, we're like the ju- the angry journey fans when Glee did jo- don't stop believing. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, well, name yeah. three other songs, everyone. Yeah, come <laughs> on, geeks. Oh my god! People wear a zip the t-shirt. That's your name, right? <laughs> I love, I love that example. People are these. Yes, yes. Oh, a million man. things. Yes. Okay. When I was a little girl, my every Sunday morning, my dad would give my brother and I, when he was still alive, um, a dollar. And we got to go down to the local newspaper stand by the AMP. And it wasn't a stand. It was a little store. And we had a dollar. And we could buy whatever we wanted with the dollar. And back then, comic books were like a nickel, a dime, 25 cents. So my brother and I would plot and figure out how many comic books we could get and still have money left over for like um, a bubblegum pack or a piece of candy or something like that. So we had cases and cases and cases of comic books, which when I got married and eventually ended up getting divorced, I got rid of all my comic books. And I'm, I'm regretting some of them because they were very obscure, different Marvel, DC, and other characters in, in the comics. And it wasn't that cool to read comic books like it is now. And there were no um, big shows, comic cons or anything like that. I remember when I went to the Star Trek convention in the 70s as a little girl in New York City at the Hilton, they thought that nobody would show up. Okay. So they oversold the tickets by four times the capacity of the Hilton Hotel. Oh. Of the rooms that it was in. Wow. And my mom and dad dropped my friend and I up off at the hotel. And we were all excited because the entire, entire original cast of Star Trek was there, plus most of the writers and the directors. <gasps> were all there. This was like unheard of because Shatner, Nimoy, none of them really thought this thing was going to last like it was. And they were still in their angry phase over all of it. But I remember them all being there. And we went down to lunch. Okay. And we had shopping bags of all this stuff we bought at the at the show you know which is why i'm so upset i can't find everything i even have a necklace of the enterprise in 3d oh that's cool it's really really cool and we go downstairs because there was one little diner attached to the restaurant at that point and we wanted to go back upstairs after we ate something and they had security blocking all the escalators. They had all the stairwell doors locked and they weren't allowing anybody back up. And we're young. I mean, I was like maybe 13, 14 years old for our parents to let us go there. And security would not let you up the stairs, up the escalators, up the elevators, the elevators, the buttons would not work on those floors. And they said, it's just overcrowded. The fire department has shut it down. You can only get up the stairs Ready for this? If you had a coat check, because the coat check was upstairs. So we're like, what do we do? What do we do? And I found a coat check thing on the floor. (laughs) So I'm like, we have a coat check and we're carrying our coats. Okay. They were in our hands, but we had a coat check. So they had to let us up, but they didn't stop the escalators. So you had to run up the down escalator (laughs) as it was going down. And I didn't quite make it. 
because I had all these bags and there were so many people and it was just chaos. The news crews were all there and everything. And somewhere there's footage of me on all the New York stations as I'm sliding back down the escalator with all of my stuff. My friend just managed to make it to the top and he's like, let her up. And this whole place starts chowning, let her up, let her up. And I became this like beacon of, of this conference, this convention and everything. And I got pulled into security and they're like, we're gonna call your parents. And I'm like, no, we're fine. Well, next thing you know, we're in the main room that I've been waiting for all day, right? Where everybody's there, you can ask him any questions. And William Shatner says, I don't know what's going on with all of this rioting and chaos, but some girl almost got hurt. And I was like, it's me, it's me. I'm that girl. You're the girl. I was the girl at that convention. And and now, you know, Comic-Con, what? 20, 30, 40,000 people? Amazing. It's amazing. Um, and we had tickets for last year, didn't get to go. So that's kind of disappointing. Um, but uh, hopefully we'll get to go live again soon. So, Oh, my gosh, that's so amazing. And now there's tours, right, of where these places are supposedly filmed, including yep. in England for Mark and James, where Harry Potter is. Yeah. Right? I mean, basically anywhere I think J.K. Rowling ever went for a sandwich now is uh, a tourist attraction, isn't it? It literally feels that way. Yeah, it feels yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, although I have to say, Harry Potter was great for, you know, the next, the millennial generation, right, as a way to introduce them to something mystical yeah. and special. Um, very cool. Laura, so story here. Hang on. Hopefully I don't disconnect myself because I had some headset problems. But can you guys see this? This is yeah. um, oh, nice. from night. 1978 Star Wars Weekly um, from the UK. So the very same uncle, who's super geeky, uh, goes over uh, to the UK. And while he's there, he doesn't like Star Wars, not his thing. Um, he's a Marvel guy. Um, he sees this in a newsstand and he picks it up um, thinking this is so cool, like general like this, um, fails to ever give it to me. Forgets. You know how these things happen, right? He gets home, life takes over, doesn't see me for a while, doesn't give it to me. Um, fast forward 20 years later, you know, and he's going through his stuff and he finds this and he had put it in a like a plastic bag from the airport, right? You know, wrapped right. up in this plastic bag. So in mint condition, um, goes to give it to me, doesn't give it to me, gives it to my dad. My dad now has it for another 15 years in the bag. Um, finally, get this like five years ago, finally, as my dad was moving uh, into senior you know, citizen living and we're going through you know, just 50 years of stuff, I open up this bag and go, what is that? So it's behind glass. All of the other great comic books I had, Laura, with you, didn't save them, but this one made the, made the cut, so. Um, Kind of exciting. The first edition of the UK Star Wars Weekly. That's sweet. Uh, yeah. Storage is the worst problem, and that is the worst problem of a comic fan. I mean, this—that's what this is here. It just boxes. There's about thirty boxes of six hundred comics, and it's just—it's you know, too much. What do you do with them? You wouldn't keep magazines. Throw away magazines, but I don't know why I insist on keeping them all. Storage facility. Storage facility. Yeah, yeah. Offsite storage. <laughs> yeah, my, my husband. 
Yeah, my husband loves me, but not enough to let me carry all that stuff around. So we have a we do have a storage facility. So um, yes, yeah, yeah. Mark, one of the things that you and I talked about a lot on the episode where I had you on, where we were talking business topics, right? Because everybody that's been on the show, for everybody that's listening, uh, Mark Asquith, James Adam, and Jenna Shines were all on regular episodes of my show where we talked about business topics. And somehow, y'all helped me weave in Star Wars, <laughs> Star Trek, uh, Marvel, DC, some Harry Potter, whatever it might have been. I mean, I interviewed a Navy SEAL sniper and managed to compare him to Harry Potter. So... <laughs> It's kind of part of, of who I am. And and Mark, there was this thing that I, I really want everybody to think about. I know, Janet, you're not a big DC person, but Mark and I got into this little discussion. And we didn't go really, really deep into it because of time, but Green Lantern, who's better? Which Green Lantern? Like, I, I don't even know why this is a discussion that people have. I think I find it crazy. You know, it's like... I like them both. <laughs> well, you know... <laughs> no, I like Hal Jordan. You know what I mean? But he's just yeah. a bit he's just a bit of a I don't know, he's just a bit of a bugger, isn't he? But I mean, how can you not think Kyle Rayner is the best? The guy like dealt with it all. Yeah. Uh, he's just a torch bearer. Yeah. Everyone else is gone. He's got no no support, no one to help. Yeah. He just gans it with a little bit of advice and he just he carried bailed. that. Yeah. He just carried it for yeah. the whole he brought back the whole court on his own. That's what baffles me. And everyone's like, yeah, but Hal Jordan. And you're just like, there is no backup to it. You just keep right. saying, yeah, but Hal yeah. Jordan, that's not a reason. <laughs> He's cool. I mean, Hal Jordan's cool. I mean, they want Hal Jordan, they want to be Han Solo, don't they? That's what they, that's the, right. yeah, that's what they want that to be the comparison. He's a bit roguish. He's a bit of a scallywag. But yeah, I just, I don't get it. John Stewart's great. You know, love John Stewart. But, you know, yeah, yeah, he is. Oh. And they, well, they they had sort of those weird adventures, like the you know shoved John Stewart on the old uh, planet with Chip, the little chipmunk Green Lantern, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. what's going on? Why are you over there? And then all the time, like Kyle Rayner's just got this massive coming of age story where he's bringing the entire core back, and he becomes the White Lantern, and all these other different, and that leads yeah. to all these other massive storylines, Brightest Day, and so on. And John Stewart's like, yeah, blew up a planet and got this chipmunk, and you just like. Okay, that's you've been short changed a little bit there. I think that's one of the funny things, though, is with, with comics that if you um, like, I went back and just binged everything from Crisis up until uh, Flashpoint. I don't know, six years ago, and I'm I like I read everything over a three year period, just everything. And unless I think unless you're doing that, if you're just dipping in and out of the stories, you know, if you like get the trade paperbacks, you just you just see the isolated character in that storyline. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily see the development. And it's I think it's the same, Janet, like we talked about Anakin, you know, that is such a classic yep. free yep. guy. Um but it's the same sort of thing because I read the um The Family at War book by Chris, uh, Kristen Baver. I don't know if you've read it recently, but it's it's like this big biography of the Skywalker family. And it's this huge thing. Oh, uh, it's, actually really, it's quite cool because it pulls together all of the new canon bits, you know, like the Princess Leia novels and like the last shot. Oh, um, okay. I got to look at that. It's really okay. cool. But the, like Very the last cool. 60 pages is um, sequel trilogy. Oh, okay. I got to read that. 120 is, uh, is the original trilogy, trilogy. And then the first half of the book, which is this big, is the entire prequel trilogy. And I think you know, because they get so much slating, you sort right. of think, well, wait a sec, that story was actually so well put together and deep, it just wasn't executed amazingly. 
the, right it was not yeah 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 there was, there, like was the yeah. there were execution issues weren't there <laughs> just a tad yeah, a lot of like, execution issues. yeah <laughs> yeah just a it's like into one yeah. comic book isn't it like the it is it is yeah yeah i think it's just, yeah i mean yeah going back to to kyle it's just that there was a moment in um i think it was in dc one million when and I'm, and I'm Superman is my favorite character, like without far and away. And there's a moment when he's he's been gone in the sun and disappeared for millions of years or whatever else. And Kyle Rayner is the is the Green Lantern of the time, and he comes out. And this you know this god who's been gone for all this time just comes out. And there's this moment where he winks at Kyle, and it's just like Grant Morrison acknowledging that Kyle Rayner is the best Green Lantern, the best you know. It's just a, it's a great moment. He did such a good job of that. Um entire justice league run as well like he um mm. he yeah. was able to really figure out the levels that each player played at like the Su superman yeah. was the guy that when you really need that last glimmer of hope you know he brings in superman and then you know the the um with batman you know with the, with the white martians the way that he dismantles them like grant morrison really managed to nail that um yeah they hadn't had it before like they, you know the justice league before that hadn't been the big seven you know it had been the Detroit Justice League and the, you know, the Bwahaha, Booster Gold, Blue Beetle Justice League and all those things, you know, they hadn't actually had the big, the heavy hitters in the team before. And that was so, yeah, so good. Yeah, it was like well, Black Canary and stuff, wasn't it? You're right, actually, yeah. <laughs> Black Canary and like Martian Manhunter and... Yeah, Martian Manhunter was your heavy hitter, wasn't he, before that? Mm. Oh, just listening to the two of you, like all these thoughts are going through my head and I'm, I'm remembering things from my childhood, the, the different comics, the different animated cartoons on Saturday mornings and, and all these different things that it wasn't really cool to, to be paying attention to. And, and something the two of you just said, I, I want to talk about this a bit because I know I've talked to you individually about this, Mark. I know you and I had a conversation about this and James too. You talked about the evolution of the characters, right? And Mark, you said about how, you know, if you're just picking up a random comic here or there, you don't really notice it. And for me, I, I've always looked at so many of these characters as characters of hope, right? And I remember when in the DC universe, Superman came back after a bunch of years of there were no movies and they had him kill somebody at the end of the movie because that was, he felt that, he needed to kill these bad, evil people because that was the only way he can save others, which for me was not what Superman would ever do. Superman always gave hope there was another way besides killing people to, to do things. And even if you look inside the Star Wars universe, you look inside the Star Trek universe where all of a sudden, if you look at the movies and even in the comics, they do these crazy pivots because some new designer, decorator, whatever you want to call the person, creator, decides that we need a pivot. The, the relaunch of Star Trek, which I love Chris Pine as Captain Kirk. I, I think Jeremy Sisto, I think that whole crew is amazing. But they had to go into somebody coming back in time so that they could shift the timelines and create these other stories and be okay with creating different technologies, different characters like in the Star Trek, the Flash, the Green Lantern, all of these things. So I'd be curious what y'all think. God, I've been living in Florida too long. I said y'all. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> what you all think about these pivots that have happened in all of the universes that we've been talking about. Who wants to start? Dive in. Janet, what do you think about Luke Skywalker's pivot? Oh, I don't know. You know, I, I don't want to do any spoiler alerts for anybody that hasn't watched some, some of the stuff, but okay. So, well, we're just queuing spoiler alert. If you don't want something spoiled, queuing, queuing. So if you're, any sci-fi or anything. That, <laughs> don't be watching. If you haven't finished Mandalorian, is all I'm going to say. Right? Uh, just go now and and come back in a minute. Um, so when you think about the pivot of of Luke from you know, if you will, kind of almost the uh, you know the the racer boy, you know, orphan racer boy, right? To he gets the only one who can save the Jedi. Right. And, and it, so it, it, it's kind of this amazing pivot um, for him. And then, you know, in Mandalorian, somehow they bend time and he comes back to get Grogo. Right. So I don't, and I don't know how that happens, because from a timeline standpoint, it's not possible um, that at the age <laughs> they put him in. Um, and I'm screaming at the screen just so everybody knows my personality going, no. No, that's not possible. That's that. That's impossible. That would have factored into the story when he met Yoda because he's the same age. Um, but correct. So they bend that dimension, right? And then think about how they bend things. You know, in the Last Jedi movie, with him being able to fight, physically fight, and not actually be there. Right. So they're starting to bring you into another dimension where the Jedi's potentially, we've seen visions of the Jedi's, but they've created a, a, a gap here to say, you know, maybe the Jedi's can live past death because he's able to fight from a different location. So I think there's some Disneyification of the Luke character um, that I, frankly, as a, as a, um, as a long-term fan, I'm a little uncomfortable with because I think they're trying to find a way to continue to pay out on he on him and on you know Leia uh, who you know of course we lost uh, we lost her tragically you know, way too young but I feel like they're going to continue to try to pay out on those characters and you know the potential is there for some ruination of the characters um, because of that so uh, so I think bending time bending paradigms is fun but I also think you need to stay a little true to the to the original character. I think, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, I remember when I first got into Superman and then, then like the animated series came out and then, then I watched, I went back and watched the movie, the original um, Richard Donner movie. And I hadn't seen that before. And I used to get really wound up about, no, that's not right. That's not Superman. The way see, John Byrne's origins is the correct Superman origin. Right. And that's correct Superman. And these are all wrong Supermans. And it was, I spent, I think a lot of, uh, you know, genre fans tend to do that a little bit where they have their version of a thing and all other versions of that thing are wrong and right, when right. you talk about Zack Snyder's Superman is it what I would have done? No it's not my Superman. Did I like like that someone was doing something with Superman? Yeah I'm happy to see a Superman movie I you know I was I had tears rolling down my face at the start of that movie seeing that just there being a Superman movie on the cinema for the first time for me it was just you know that was a great moment superman and lois is what i would have done with superman love absolutely oh, love superman good love that. Love, you know, love, everything love about that. it yeah is yeah lois is my second favorite character and you know yeah. my named my daughter after she's the but you know ah. it's not there's no you know 
But I think you have to just accept now that if, if it's true to the character, there are always going to be variations of all these different things and stuff like that. And, and I'm much more willing to, to look at other, other versions of it, but I'll just I'll always have my version. Well, and you know, I want to play on that a little bit because when you think about it, Stanley, right? Famous as the creative director for Marvel Comics for decades. He actually did a comic book line called Imagine for DC Comics in which he reimagined mm-hmm. Superman and Batman and Wonder Man, uh, Wonder Woman and Green Lantern. It was not popular. Um, <laughs> and, and yet, it wasn't, exactly. It was not popular uh, at all. Um, like, you know, Batman had no superpowers and he was... Um, I think he was like Wayne Williams, I want to say. Um, but, you know, it wasn't popular because sometimes when you reimagine something, the fans say, but that doesn't fit my imagination. And, and none of us can argue that Stan Lee was a highly talented right person, but it, it just didn't work. And so I think all of us have the image we're true to. Um, and I think it differs, you know, very, very widely um, based on when you were first exposed. My daughter loves all the, um, I'll call them negative uh, characters in Star Wars from Darth Maul to Darth Vader to, but think about what she Minus. was, right, loves them. She's like, oh, they're the best. Loves and Kylo why? Ren. Right. Lo- <laughs> Excuse me. Everyone loves Kylo Ren. Yeah. He's gorgeous. Everyone loves Ben <laughs> Solo. <laughs> yeah. okay, I do not like Kylo Ren. I am sorry. I do not like him and not just because he kills his father. Okay. I just, he, he sort of reminds me of the guy who originally played Anakin in the prequels. That's why he's so good. That's why he's so Yes! Kyle the only person in the world that thinks that Anakin, that loves Anakin from the first trilogy. I'm the only guy. I even like the Anakin, but the adult actor I struggled with, you know, because I just felt. Oh, I loved it. Off the rails. Oh, see, I loved it. And by the way, my daughter loves Anakin, Mark, so don't feel alone. Um, She she loves him. Um, But no, I think. Okay, so we have to debate this Kylo Ren moment for a minute. This is like yesterday I got into a debate with someone about who was the best Hulk, and they were trying to tell me it was Mark Ruffalo, and I'm like, excuse me, Lou Ferrigno, always Lou Ferrigno, get over yourself. <laughs> 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 I'm watching that all the time. Get over yourself with yes, Mark but, Ruffalo. But he was, he was uh, that was when there were two people, right? You had Bill Bixby and yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Now it's just one person. And he's like, well, he looks like the Hulk. I'm like, I don't want to hear your argument. It's not good. Um, <laughs> but, but going back to Kylo Ren. So Kylo Ren is one of the most complex conflicted uh, characters that they've ever put right through the series. That's why I like him. I think the acting okay. that it took the, the, the writing that it took to make him, turn and turn back and turn again. I just thought it was brilliant. Okay, I can go with you there, Mark. You look like you wanted to say something around there. I was just pondering. I was just pondering. Like I remember I was the second that I saw The Force Awakens um, and he smashed up the Star Destroyer with the, the, the lightsaber. I was like, that's he's definitely from the family. Um, and it was, <laughs> it was, that was when, when I thought he got it so right. Um, and it was it was really fascinating. And what I thought, I think you're absolutely right, Janet, in that complexity, because the one shining part of the entire Rise of Skywalker movie, the one bit that was like they really, they really made you see what a good job of Kylo Ren, Adam Driver had done by just at the end, just 
letting him smile once and you'd realize that he'd not ever done that and he was just right. the delivery of just that one here i am this is me you know regardless of anything else it, sh- it sort of bookended everything that came before it and sort of you know you know sometimes when um when certain things make previous content better so when you yes. watch the mandalorian you know it sort of makes certain parts of boba fett's story better because mm. it's done more to it and it, this was that's the same right. thing so, uh, that's right kylo ren better so yeah i loved it i loved it too and by the way boba fett is on my shelf back there next to the baby so cool. um yeah nice. so <laughs> nice okay. i i can see kylo ren from that perspective and i had this visual in my mind of the fight in the forest <gasps> yes and you could really see how incredible Adam Driver played the anger and the this and the confusion and the, but I have to please everybody else because I've got all these people pulling at me and not knowing. So I could see that. I could see that. I, I struggled with the aspect of Kylo Ren and Ray and how they were sort of linked but maybe that was just me being really, really annoyed about how long it took to play it out. <laughs> I'm like, let's move on. I'm done with this storyline. Move on a bit more. Oh, see, we wanted more of it. As a fan, I was like, more, more, more. But, I, I, you know, if the Star Wars movies could be five hours long, I would be happy. I will tell you this, like, just funny moment. So we, we finished watching the movie, and I was with a good friend of mine because my husband will only go once, right? So his his thing is like, look, I'll take you one time. I'm not going five <laughs> times so that you can see every intricacy in the movie. So with a friend of mine who I managed to, you know, haul along with me, who not is not at all a Star Wars person, but she's trying to be a good a good uh, uh, you know a good a good sport. Um, and I turn to her and go, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, that was the best, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, but he's so ugly. <laughs> that was her comment. But he's so ugly. Like, and so, you know, that was just this moment where you thought, well, OK, if, if you're not a fan, maybe you don't get it. Right. Because all she got from Kylo Ren was he was ugly. Well, it was such a play on Anakin, wasn't it? That I suppose if you'd not dug into the prequels and you, it's sort of, I sort of imagine Anakin could have been like that in the prequels if George had let someone else just do a bit of dialogue. You know, if he'd just like let him, just let him breathe a little bit with some of the dialogue. Um, yes, yes, yeah. That was a, that's a character that could use, those movies could use to be redone and, and, and that character could be much more complex. Yeah, because you can totally see how you could kind of get Kylo Ren because Leia's father was Darth Vader and Kylo Ren is her son, right? You can kind of get how there's this Anakin Darth Vader inside of him and he's trying to reconcile the two sides of of his um, genetics, right? Correct. because the prequels just really didn't to the level of the newer movies didn't really explore that story so well i think i fell flat on it the books on the other hand really developed those characters so well so i mean to the listeners out there if you've not read all of the star wars books since the original movies and even the star trek books beyond 
the original series and stuff, you, you get to fill in all these bits of this world that you couldn't see. I mean, you guys, I know you guys have mentioned the books and different things that you've read. And I feel like there's these gaps, but we want so much from our worlds, right? Because <laughs> we think they're kind of real to all of us in its own way. That's what's so hard. Isn't it? And when you get a movie, you've got to get, you've got to pack so much stuff into a movie. Whereas yeah. that's why TV shows have got, that's why I guess the rise of the of the sort of serial long form TV show is that you can build a world so much more easily over the, you know, 10 series of 20 episodes of things. It's so much easier to do that. And, you know, even things like, you know, Zack Snyder's version of the Justice League, obviously he can do that because you've got four, right. he's spent four hours doing it. Uh, right. He's got a much better chance of doing that. Whereas great point. Trying to do it in an hour and a half, two hours is tough. Okay. So great let's point. talk about yeah. TV. Let's talk about TV. Have you guys watched the on um, CBS All Access, which is now I think it's Paramount Plus. Have you watched Star Trek Discovery? Have you watched Picard? Watch Picard. Haven't seen Star Trek Discovery. No, no, I'd, I'd get addicted if I did, so I haven't. Okay. No. Really like then we can't good. go deep into it, but you want to talk about a series developing in a completely different way. I mean, look at Picard. Picard's kind of dark and weird. And and what they did with Seven of Nine and, and all the other characters, this series is now trying to create some other version because the people who played the characters originally, like in Picard, they, they wanted to show another side. So they kind of went dark because they didn't, they're like, well, I only showed one side of my character. And you, if you haven't seen it, Mark and Janet, you need to watch Discovery and Picard. It's a bit difficult to get into both of them because they're so radically different, right? Isn't Picard so radically different, James, the way they present mm, him yeah. and Data and everything? It doesn't even have doesn't have Star Trek in the name, does it? Which is quite a bold move to not, Very you know, bold. just, just to call Good it point. Picard. But yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. Patrick Stewart's amazing, isn't he? And it's just, it is a, they, I thought it was a great series. I, you know, again, I'm not a massive Star Trek fan. So maybe I think sometimes it makes it easier, you know, like I love Star Wars, but I'm, but I wouldn't say Star Wars is not my series. So when I go and watch the, when I went and watched the, the original, the first set of prequels and the sequels, I loved them. I loved, you know, loved every part of them, but I think, I think it's almost like loving something makes it harder to love the next thing. It seems to be that the more you like a thing, the harder it is to enjoy the next thing that comes along. Okay, so then I need to ask this: Star Wars, Star Trek, can you love both? Of course you can. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> you I never understood. Yeah, I never understood people who said you can't. Uh, you know, yeah. like you either had to be Star Wars or you had to be Star Trek growing up. And I'm like, why? They're both amazing in their own way. You can love, you can love anything geeky. That's fine. Yeah. It's like That's what we Marvel do. versus DC. Right. That's DC. What'd you say, Mark? Oh, I mean, that is DC. You know, so That's DC, isn't it? Yeah, there's you no can love everything Marvel. if you want, but you'll be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel. I'm sorry, I'm a Marvel girl. But yeah, but I think you can love everything. Who doesn't love Superman, yes. Batman, the Green Lantern, Flash, right? And then who, you know, conversely, who doesn't love, you know, you pick, you know, the Hulk or, so, you yeah. know, someone where you've said, oh, I like that character. Um, well, and Janet, think- you're Wonder Woman, right? You Wonder to- Woman. Well, that's where it started, right? Yeah. So that's where my comic love kind of, you know, was ignited. Um, but again, I think if you're, I think you pick the characters for what they mean to you. 
mm. not the franchise they're with. Mm. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think DC fans are just jealous that Marvel got away. You know, they they just nailed the movies, didn't they? That's the, the long and short of it. They Imagine did. if we could have had a DC version of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That would have been, you know. Well, you you could. I mean, you could just let Disney buy DC and then, you know. <laughs> yes, the solution. I'd be all right with that. <laughs> yeah, fine. Sold. Imagine what they could do, right? Think about what they could do. I mean, look what they did with Captain mm. America. I mean, clearly not a strong character, and yet they've made him into a franchise player. So. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. the, they just were they were working with the leftovers, weren't they? They were working with Iron Man, mm. Captain America. They didn't have they didn't have all the good stuff, Spider Man. They did like right. They, had, they just had to do what they could with what they did, and they just did such a good job. They did such a good job. Um, so you know, and, and they, you know, look, they had some uh, to your point, the movie uh, traction, right, with X Men and Wolverine and you know they just they took the movies and made themselves very popular in the you know in in the process that's all about you know they had Kevin was Kevin Feige didn't they he he was overseeing the whole thing and just like he is the like people describe him as the greatest mind that there is in Hollywood don't they because he just oversaw that and made it all follow through and there are yep. loads of examples of people along the way, like Edgar Wright was going to do Ant-Man, Ant-Man and he got mm-hmm. booted off because he wanted to make it his own. And at the time I was mad about that because I love Edgar Wright, right. but, um, but actually he's, he wanted them all to be consistent and that's what they are. Even if you, whether you like that homogenized nature of movies or not, they are all telling a story and you can watch them all together. And they got a bit weirder more recently, but they do all feel really similar. Right. And they also, you know, we're going full circle here back to the very beginning, Mark. Think about what they did with Guardians of the Galaxy with the music. They opened up just a generation, didn't they, with it? They did. Look, James Gunn, who was, you know, in charge of the music selection and is a genius, opened an entire generation of music up so that the parents who were taking their kids to see the movies were going, oh, my God from my childhood and the kids got a whole new play track on spotify or you know wherever their music of choice was and that music i think made that franchise so it sometimes it just comes down to brilliant picks right and that was just by gun that was a brilliant pick Mm. that um opening scene in guardians 2 where they play mr blue sky is like the perfect mix of things Ah. that didn't work (laughs) yeah perfect perfect (laughs) (laughs) The, the people that are given the the requirement of you know it here's what our idea is for the series as we're putting it into tv or to film they've got a comic book they're working with and now they have to create the soundtrack of your life it's to me it's a whole nother level because without that soundtrack i don't think any of the visual versions of our comic book friends um we we couldn't see where they were at i mean it's truly truly amazing and i'm noticing that we are almost out of time here so i want to just um give everybody a last chance before before we go give your last thoughts on this whole topic of being geeky and i want to thank everybody for being here so so mark why don't you start two things like definitely do not hide from being geeky. Like it was much more difficult when we were younger, but now everyone wants to be a geek. Like stand up for being a genuine geek. And secondly, give more respect to Wally West. He deserves it. <laughs> Very nice. Okay. All right, Janet, you go ahead. 
Listen, as a female and a geek, my my path was even more interesting. And I would just uh, reiterate what Mark said, just be yourself, love who you love. There's no right or wrong answer on what you know, resonates with you from a character standpoint, just go with it, love it, embrace it. And it makes a fun Zoom background for people too. <laughs> James? Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Just, yeah, love love all of these different things and it's okay to love all of them. And also don't be too hard on the people that are just getting into this stuff as well. There are no fake fans. If people wear a t-shirt, don't try and quiz them on it. It's all right. You know, lots of people are starting out from scratch on being geeks we've got years of experience but uh, but welcome more people into the fold love it oh, i love it thank you guys all for being here on my birthday week show and being geeky with me and i i rethought a couple of things because of some of the things you guys all said so thank you very much for being here and for um, across the pond mark and james thank you because i know it's later for you guys than it is for janet and i here in the u.s on the east coast so um all of you thank you so much and i hope you all stay in touch because you definitely have so much to share business-wise and geeky wise so thank you all for being <laughs> thanks here. for having us thank you thank you thanks guys bye all right, everybody, I want to thank you all for being here on my Star Wars, Star Trek um, episode for my birthday. You know, there's so much more to the whole geeky thing than just um, Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel, DC, Harry Potter, Babylon 5, whatever it is you're watching. It's getting absorbed in something outside of yourself and then just embracing who you are at all different levels. So if you are a geek out there and you're feeling alone, reach out to anybody on my that was on my show today. There's plenty of forums for you if you're feeling a little different. We were all a bit different way back when, when we started being geeks. And look at us now. We're having a blast and I get to do stuff like this every single day. So thank you all for being here with me today. And, and most of all, just thank you for just loving who you are. And if you're not, reach out. Let me see how I can help. And for, thank you for making this show top 5% worldwide of all podcasts. Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 